Good evening, you're listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Fraser Brown, sitting in for Rob Zachney while he tries to figure out why his PC is exploding. Best of luck, Rob. Uh, absolutely anything could happen. The last time I hosted, we delved into Animal Crossing, and today's game actually shares a few similarities with that island getaway. Joining me is our pal, freelance writer John Bolding. Howdy, howdy. And making her Three Moves Ahead debut... My PC gamer bud, staff writer, Rachel Watts. Hi. I think part of my desk has just fallen off there. So that's in a Yeah, I did hit. I don't I did know hit what something. that was. It, I can't see what it is. Is it because oh, it your desk is unbalanced? Perhaps was, one ooh, side is... This, is, this brings us leaning. to the very thing we're talking about today. John, you should be hosting. Fantastic. I doubt it. We are talking about Airborne Kingdom, which is a city builder where you can lean too much. And yes. people fall off, which is quite scary. It's a flying city builder that has some of the, I guess, kind of basics of your regular city, well, all of the basics of your mm -hmm. typical city builder, as well as a, a kind of uh, like frost punk survival city builder, city management bent. But it's got a very chill vibe. It's not like death is always nipping at your heels. Uh, there's a weird kind of physics simulation at the heart of it as well. Rachel, you mentioned mm. uh, on a PC Gamer article the other week uh, the kind of the similarities between this and Frostpunk. So why don't you tell yes. us a little bit about what they have in common and like the, the vibe? Yeah, sure. Because, uh, yeah, I just, I'm a massive fan of Frostpunk personally. Like I've ever since 11-bit even like put out that they were making a city builder with such an amazing idea. I was like, I'm in there. I want to play it all. And it's kind of the same with Airborne Kingdom. I think just the screenshots, the GIFs on Twitter just totally captured my imagination. I mean, that's how I first saw it, like just through those really majestic screenshots that the devs are posting online. And so, yeah, kind of similarities wise, they're city builders. Uh, what I kind of like about them in particular is that both of them deal with kind of the nature of how you build your city around certain um, points of kind of res like based on resources. So in terms of Frostpunk, it's all about heat. So where you place stuff uh, around the massive generator in the middle is important. And the same with Airborne Kingdom, it's where you place your certain housing and uh, all the other quite wonderful like little buildings you can make on your air in, on your airship uh it's based all around gravity and like kind of how we uh, pointed out at the beginning of the podcast it's all based on tilt and so uh where you place your buildings within the city at well, limits i say that there really aren't any you just build outwards and outwards until at some point your your kingdom starts to tilt either one way or the other yeah, have you and found the a hard is... limit like because i'm actually just thinking i've built rather large cities and i've never like, come to yours. the edge i don't yeah i don't know on I your didn't... review i saw your screenshots you've got a, a massive massive city yeah i spent a long time just building out and out way past the point where i needed to like keep playing but i was like you know what i just want to see how far i can get and i i haven't reached a limit yet i guess i mean i guess you'd eventually be limited by because you're using in this game these massive clockwork wooden fans coal powered monstrosities mm. giant flying flapping cloth and wooden wings to keep your city aloft <laughs> there's, there's so many sort of 
absurd and whimsical ways to keep the city flying. But I'm wondering if the only limit would be coal, right? If you can burn mm-hmm. enough coal to keep the city in the air, because that's the limit on almost everything. It is quite funny that once again, we're burning coal, just like with Frostpunk. But there's like, a, it feels like a green game. But actually, the fundamental thing you've got to do is burn coal. Yeah, <laughs> like what you do is fly around the world and cut down entire forests to feed yeah, you're your, flying your well. giant like flying furnace. This is the least environmental city building game I've ever played. And it has uh, a kind of hidden really well. For all that it's really very twee. It has a kind of sinister ending as well. Yeah, so I I think we should yeah explain that. Um, so you have sort of come across this tapestry um, from your ancestors that talks about a, a great airborne kingdom that united the world uh, under this flying city, and so naturally you're like, I'm gonna do that, and then you do it. And there's not a whole amount of resistance. Um, people are just like, yeah, let's let's join this vast empire where you run the show because you've done some quests for us. Yeah, um, they're super chill about the whole thing, aren't they? Like this, this absolute monstrosity of a city. Well, in my city was it looked pretty bad to be honest. <laughs> Stuff was everywhere. So yeah, this like massive colossal city just flying through the air okay yeah we're chill about it and also some of our people want to join you as well just like yeah it's like you're taking hostages there's some sort of it's it's an unspoken like ominous thing going on where like once uh a, a place unites with you or even once you just when you just come across smaller settlements yeah, dotted around the world people will be like this place seems chill and it does feel like you've maybe tricked them because sometimes things can get shit up in the sky but i think that's actually the the main like resource limit is actually mm. about people it's not uh coal it's like how many people you can like put in your city um so there's like a hard limit i guess to the amount of people you can recruit which means that like you do get to a certain point where you can't build more buildings because you can't put more people in them oh that's yeah i definitely like that's true yeah the idea of kind of you're this city that's like flying around kind of eating up resources as you go but also kind of like recruiting or like taking in people as well i always really kind of like that and that's something that like with frostpunk was is very similar in that respect like you would get people who were like moving across the landscape looking for somewhere like a bit bigger settlement and they would all just gravitate towards this one huge monolith focal point and i really like that in herbal kingdom as well like you just picking up little settlements as you go across the land yeah because that was like because the whole map is there to be explored right from the get-go. There is no mm. like, oh, you need to research this technology before you can get to this new area. You can just fly off. And as long as you have coal and water, um, then you can just keep going to the to the edge of the map. That is like a limit that you can find quite quickly, unlike the size of your city. Um, as And mm. on the way, you can just like pick up uh, the resources that you need. The issues that you find are that uh, different areas have like deficits. So there's um, there's a flooded area where I think it's you can't find very much coal 
Right. There's not, yes, yeah. there's not a lot of like geological formations. You can't get coal or the, the hateful North where you can't, the, the, the mountains, right? There's no wood. Yeah. Mm. It's yeah. I think it's food. Is it wood or is it food? food? I yeah, just, it's, it's one of the double O's. <laughs> one of those. They're basically the same thing, honestly, after a certain point. And it's kind of, um, because this is one of the things I was getting at earlier, is like it doesn't have the sort of pressure that you've got in Frostpunk, where Frostpunk, you are teetering on the edge. Like, did you ever feel safe in Frostpunk? Like, things were no. really going well? I certainly didn't. No, never. I can't but, even think of one time when I've been like, you know what? This is a great run. I'm feeling really good about my city. <laughs> I don't have to feed sawdust to children or anything. I'm having a- No, never happened. You're always just seconds away from disaster, aren't you? Yeah. So, whereas I never felt like that in Airborne Kingdom. And there were moments where I'm like, shit, I've been just staring at my beautiful work of flying art for so long, I forgot to feed people and I'm running out of food. And like, yeah, people get upset. Maybe some of them piss off. But then in a couple of minutes, I've sent my planes down to pick up some more food. Um, and in most of the biomes, or like three biomes, um, yeah. food's pretty abundant. Um, and if you've got like if you've got like ten people at the ready in your hangar, send them mm. down. Within like a few seconds, your food stores are back up. Right. And the impact is like immediate, really. Like people are immediately happy again. Yeah. Almost like there's no like, oh, I've done this so much damage, it will take many many days for people to cheer up again. It just it works so quickly. Don't you love it as well? How like if if like a group of people want to leave, they they like parachute off the side of the city. <laughs> they're and not you wasting just... planes. They could fuck yeah. off. Yeah, <laughs> and they're just like they just gracefully float down. I'm just like, where are you going? Where are you gonna go? The, tr- the like, trackless place desert. a tea house. Yeah, like I didn't place a tea house near where you live. I'm sorry. Please come back. Like, what what are you gonna do? I don't know. I thought that was so funny. Yeah, so that's that's one of the. The kind of holdovers from a regular city builder is the the need mm. to uh, service these people and their desires. Like everyone starts off just wanting some pretty basic things, and as you uh, kind of expand and your your city goes from like a settlement into an airborne kingdom, then they mm. have more advanced needs. It's just like Anno or any of any of these other city builders, um, and they're pretty basic, like. There are a couple of like produ- production chains, but it's very yeah. simple. This isn't like an economic city builder, is it? No, no, it's much more of a spatial placement city builder, right? Where you're trying to get things fit together in a way that works, right? So one of the my favorite of the things that people suddenly want is light, right? They want you to build electric lights because oh yeah, you have to have light yeah, because everywhere they, they realize that it's really dangerous to live on catwalks with no safety rails in the sky at night all of a sudden they're like oh wait this is a bad plan it's oh that's so true i just laughed i laughed so hard at that part of the game because i I was thinking about it the whole time i was like i feel like twice a week someone would fall off this thing and die because yeah, at no like point, yeah, that's what I was going to say. No like, even once you've built up, you can actually look through the cracks, and like you must just be able to see the the world below you. That would be horrific. I don't even like flying that much, to be honest. So, like, <laughs> the, the idea of living up there—it's just harrowing. Yeah. But talking about like the whole resource management, I honestly I didn't really think too much about 
chains in terms of oh i have to place this here and this here like it's a very in terms of a city build a very light in terms of resource trees like what am i doing with my resources where am i uh displacing them it's it's such a breezy like game i hardly i mean yeah once in a while as you said fraser i'd look at my kingdom and be like oh crap i totally forgot to collect like (laughs) food at some point (laughs) but yeah in no time at all like some you'll come even in areas where it's like oh be careful in the mountains that aren't that you know there's not a lot of food around and then i feel like there was the normal amount like i never really there's no conflict in the game or threat which mm-hmm. I quite enjoyed after, you know, harrowing away in Frostpunk. I, I really enjoyed how breezy uh, Airborne Kingdom was in that respect. Yeah, the it's thing almost is, meditative. You can piss off when you, mm. like, have this deficit. Like, if you are in the, uh, what is it, the shallows, they're called, the, the watery yes. area, if you don't have any coal there, you just go back into the desert just down the road, which is <laughs> loads of coal, and you're fine back into the shallows. And by... By the point that you've probably ventured into the shallows, because even though you can go whenever you want, there is like a natural progression. Um, you've mm-hmm. probably got a pretty fast little city, you know, with quite a lot of propulsion. So getting from biome to biome shouldn't take more than like five minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. it's almost the opposite of Frostpunk, because Frostpunk was, you're always a little nervous. Mm-hmm. but <laughs> yes. And then sometimes you have absolute panic, right? where you realize Mm -hmm. that there's a cold spike coming and we in no way have enough coal or it's going to get colder than we've ever seen it get and we don't even have the technology to get it warm in our houses at this point, right? But in Airboard Kingdom, you kind of have resource needs and you go after them, but there's sort of a low-lying like, yeah, everything's probably going to be okay. I can get what I need. And then... That's punctuated with instead of those giant oh no moments, the the moments are more like I want to get enough coal to go on a really cool long journey. And then you just do that. Like you, mm, you have yes. moments of peace where you realize, oh, everything's fully stocked. I'm going to go to that new area I haven't been to yet. Or I'm going to go searching for this lost temple that I'm supposed to find. Yeah, I totally get what you mean with that. Because I know, Fraser, you said like a lot of the regions are like five minutes down the road. But I remember from going from the sand uh, area to the mountain area, there's like this vast wasteland with nothing there. And being like a small kingdom at first, knowing you can't make it across and then slowly building up your city to the point where you can cross this, this emptiness. It was epic. I loved that moment. Yeah, I was. I have to admit, I was quite cautious when I before I yeah. went into the highlands because I saw in the north that sort of expanse between the settlements and resource nodes and the actual mountains themselves. So I, I'd already built up quite a bit. But that's one of the things. These like expeditions almost they uh, encourage you to engage with different parts of the game. For instance, John, when you mentioned like storing up enough like coal, you. Like you can make your coal storage larger by researching things, so it gives you sort of an avenue for progression. Yeah, and because coal storage is like one of the most fleeting things. You can only store it in your like town hall, um, and it's 
it really doesn't grow that much. So it it's the thing that keeps you constantly scouring the ground, looking for more supplies, and kind of that little reminder that yes, this is a chill game, but this is still very much a survival game. Like the philosophy mm. of of scrounging for resources is still alive and well in, in Airborne Kingdom. Yeah, it absolutely is. And you you do get ways to make all the resources eventually through the tech tree, but almost none of them at a rate that makes up for actively moving and looking for the resources. It's more like you can create them at a rate that lets you move into an area where there's none of that for a while, but you're going to have to leave eventually. Yeah, like those farms are backup, really, unless you actually start expanding massively, and that's kind of like endgame territory where you're trying to create a self-sustaining industry that you don't need to finish the game, but is just kind of fun to set yourself as a wee additional challenge yeah yeah and i i think there actually there probably are a couple interesting ways to build this because fraser you were saying that your city was kind of fast i don't feel like my city ever got really fast it was just always a giant lumbering flying behemoth because i was like yeah i'm just gonna store as much stuff up here in the sky as i can so i would have like hundreds and i had tons of warehouses right just full of stuff and I was just hauling them around the world and people would be like, we need 10 units of bricks. And I'd be like, yeah, just just drop a couple hundred out of the, you know, sky <laughs> warehouse directly into the city. It'll be fine. We got a lot of that. Yeah, am I yeah. An, an anomaly here, Rachel? Did did you have a fast city? So <laughs> I know we've talked about how like majestic the cities are in Airborne Kingdom. Honestly, mine was a mess. <laughs> it was terrible. You know, I started off the game and I went, I'm going to make this as symmetric as possible. You know, I'm going to put a little house here, a little house there. Oh, it's going really well. And of course, then the game starts introducing, you know, you can't have housing near certain factories because people are a bit fussy and they don't like the smog, even though we're on top of a giant flying machine. I love that's well, being fussy. <laughs> they don't want a horrific amounts of pollution. Those cowards. <laughs> The thing is, I've got Frostbook in the forefront of my mind and, and they uh, they put up with anything, those poor people. Um, so, yeah, they start introducing, you know, new mechanics like, oh, you can't put housing next to here. And, and soon my my poor kingdom just ended up being just a total cluster of just randomness and buildings. And I thought I'd make it pretty by adding um, you can add these uh, these like wonders. I think there's three of them. And so I, I was like, oh, I'll build a garden and that'll make it really pretty. And then it just got completely lost in this kind of uh i guess the way they describe it is you know the opening of game game of thrones that kind of uh paper paperwork clockwork yeah mm-hmm. yeah towers sort of i just tableau of small materials the yes yes so i'd uh i'd place a building down and it would just be lost in this sea of towers and you know spheres and hangars and planes and yeah, so mine wasn't, it was far from pretty. I, I'm sorry to report. <laughs> I think all cities are destined to become like that, though. I think I described it in, in my review as like, my, I had like an idea of what I wanted my city to look like, which is very streamlined mm-hmm. and aesthetically pleasing. Um, but ultimately, it became just this mishmash of concessions and reactions and just like kind of moment to moment decisions. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I just kind of that it, it like naturally grew out of all of these 
like random events basically so mine looked like a, a mess as well i i think it looked like you'd dropped a whale from the sky and then lifted it up again it's just this Isn't pancake that, yeah. with like bones sticking out of it oh that's weird because <laughs> mine ended yeah. up being very symmetrical almost obsessively symmetrical oh it's still <gasps> symmetrical because like you've got to keep that balance up you know right. you don't want it to tip but it was just a, it's still like a mess <laughs> but like the speed because uh, you get propulsion and you get lift these different mm. buildings and and components that give you this extra oomph um but then there are like there's granular stuff because your speed is affected by drag. Uh, so the more buildings and the more, like the taller they are, that will affect how aerodynamic your city is. Um, so that does impact kind of maybe some city planning decisions, but ultimately you can always fix that drag by just sticking more fast components on it. Um, and I kind of just, I did that a lot because I wanted, you know, I had places to go, I had things to mm-hmm. do. <laughs> I was in a rush, yeah, even when I was being relaxed. I really liked that there were elements that could only go on the sides or the rear of mm-hmm. your kingdom. Yes. So like you would have those big fabric wood flying wings, but if you want to use those or or giant air paddles, but mm. like if you want those things, they need clear and unrestricted access to the sides or to the rear for the huge windmill propulsion things. And I really enjoyed the element of you can rearrange that stuff, you can move it around as you have to build, but you want to keep in mind for future expansion where you want it to be because moving things around has a resource cost even after Mm -hmm. it's built. And I enjoyed that element of the game. So much of it was little puzzles like, oh, how am I going to get this temple building in a place where it's radiating out to all my houses? And then eventually that level of sort of puzzly familiarity with like, oh, okay, so I'm going to start a new little residential district here and I'm going to get a nice park in the center of it. Much of the game for me ended up becoming, I'm going to paint my buildings pretty colors so that everything looks nice. And that's such a huge element of the game in the end Mm -hmm. is making things look nice. And I really liked that. And I liked that as you traveled around the world, you found some ancient ruins and like they were like dye vats and things. So you would get new colors to use on your buildings and on your city. Yeah, I definitely want to dive back in and try and like make a more majestic city worthy of the title of being the Airborne Kingdom because I don't think I... I mean, I, I had everything, but it, I just did not look the part. And I was very slow. I was just, yeah, like bumbling around. Just I didn't... I know you could add more speed to it. You can put these oh majestic like fins like fish fins on the back oh those looked amazing but ultimately i was just like you know just wandering around just oh there's a kingdom over there it's very very slow for me i just kind of felt my way through the game rather than like planned my way through (laughs) right so i stuck two of those tails on it didn't even have the upgrade that made them cheaper i was just like i'm rich everyone gets (laughs) tails it's great But there was there was a point where like um my my people weren't too happy with me. I think we'd had a lot of tilt, uh, and there'd been a bit of starvation, and things were like you know they they were no longer jubilant, uh, <laughs> and I just got in a huff with them and and just painted everything blue, everything that was just like the whole all the walls, all the uh, the minarets. Uh, it was not attractive. 
It was too bright. It was hideous. And it's, I'm really glad that they, the citizens don't react to bad paint jobs because they would have left like en masse. They would have just gone out there. They wouldn't have even waited for the parachutes, I don't think. I think they would have just jumped off the end. gone. Yeah, it was. You can get pink uh, roofs as well. Yeah, yes. you, the, the pink tinted metal. It doesn't metal. match anything. It does, it's so horrible. I oh, love it. Oh, it looks so nice. Oh, the pink <laughs> is just like a statement. It is. If, it you really know, is. we are the prophecy, the airborne kingdom, and we love the color pink. Like, what a what a move. What a mood. I love it. I just fly over like a ground based city with just giant pink roofs and your planes flitting about like little insects. Yes. It's like a power move, yeah. <laughs> it is. You gotta you gotta prove your point. You gotta let people on the ground know who's boss. Which is Speaking of people on the ground, actually, because that's that's, I guess, the bit that didn't really work for me uh, was the the diplomacy, the trade, your kind of relationship with the grounders. Because uh, mm-hmm. you just kind of swan up to them, don't you? And say, look, we're making this kingdom. What will it take for you to join? And it's always something really easy, like there's a broken bridge. Go fix it. And they're like, wow, yeah. look at what you've done. You fixed this bridge. This is fucking amazing. We're going to join your kingdom. It's not even that easy to make friends, let alone forge a sort of diplomatic international alliance. Um, It's very odd. Yeah, The game definitely gives off this kind of, you know, there's going to be a well of law behind all these kingdoms and how they were fractured and, you know, they're all uh, dispersed across the... I didn't really get any sort of... There is like a little bit of law. Like one of my favourite missions by far was you go to a kingdom... And they they have a bunch of philosophers, and you have to then pick up those philosophers and deliver them to other kingdoms in attempts to like spread the knowledge of that kingdom. I thought that was like very appropriate, very much in vibe with the game. But yeah, as you said, a lot of the times it's like fetch quests. Uh, we've we've like we can't find these people who went out a month ago. Can you go find them? Like, I yeah, I wasn't really like swept away with kind of the story points or anything. I don't really remember half of them, if I'm honest. Yeah, they're they're just little tiny stories. Only a couple of them, I agree with you, are exceptional or even memorable. Though I will say that mm. they do their job, which is that to get you moving around the map, they have to give you somewhere to go. And to get you going to places you might not otherwise try to visit, they send you there. So if you're not the kind of person yeah. who naturally is going to go and explore the whole map, they will get you out looking at things and finding secrets that are hidden. They're also great landmarks as well, yeah. aren't they? They really oh, are. They're sure. stunning. All the little cities are beautiful. The map itself is gorgeous. It's this sort of like Alhambra style Spanish Moroccan tiles, but it's curved and curling like parchment and splitting at the edges. Like it's absolutely wonderful. Yeah, yeah I was I so excited to, to see the like curled edges uh, and I, yes. like it's just like with any it's like a paradox map with just any torn edges or anything that makes it look like a literal map just gets me going i love it yeah it's i like how all the kingdoms had like very unique kind of architectural personalities like by far my favorite were the ones in the mountains where you have all these craggy peaks and like um archways and very tall structures whereas the the cities and kingdoms in the archipelagos were very like spread over little islands they all have a very distinct feel about them uh yeah which is great love it 
Yeah, the world was rich. The stories weren't necessarily as rich as the world, I guess. Yeah, totally agree with that. Though the I, I think sorry, John, go ahead. The ending. I don't know how you all felt about the ending of the game. Mm. But it was set up to be sort of there was it was enigmatic and faintly ominous. Right. So that Yeah. Yeah, that there's this idea in the game that I won't spoil the ending quite yet, but where there used to be an airborne kingdom and you're trying to re- reunite the world under the airborne kingdom again, which is depending on, I guess, your point of view, either a benevolent service where you fly around the kingdom and make sure that everyone has the things they need by trade or a sort of fascist dictatorship where you fly <laughs> overhead and threaten to throw rocks down on everyone. Like, I don't it's not really clear what the incentive is in certain points for people to join the kingdom other than we're above you. I don't know. I don't know how you all felt about yeah. that. That was a bit weird. Yeah, because you're not going to fight. How are you going to fight a flying city if you can't fly? Uh, I, I guess a lot of people are just like, well, you know, if we can't beat them, I guess we'll join them. We won't risk any lives. We'll join this kingdom. Maybe it'll be nice. Yeah, and the places you go sort of all already have, a lot of them, some ruling body, like a king or a queen or something, and they're just all sort of like the idea, usually after you prove it to them somehow, of having you build them an airport. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's they're how, well excited about that airport, aren't they? <laughs> that's how your relationship with all the, the cities ends, right? You build them an airport so that they can send you tribute. That's kind of how America works, right? That they is, just plunk an airport you down somewhere. You get a Starbucks, and an suddenly- airport, a McDonald's. <laughs> and if you're lucky, yeah. if you're lucky, you get a subway. Wow. Yeah. Imperialism at work. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not so sure about the ending either. I, I don't know. I just thought maybe something a bit more like you know, like the map expands out or there's more hint at something else. But in terms of like, it very, it very much stuck with this whole like kind of mysticism of, you know, this tapestry and ancient technology. It's very much in that vein. And uh, yeah, it was okay. It felt <laughs> it's more th- about the journey, I it guess. It felt extremely grim to me, that ending. Like, I don't know. It, it's oh, yeah. like promise of something more and something mm. like, you know, it's setting up, like it's saying there were two ways for it to go. It went this way, but nobody could have predicted what happened next. It's kind of more like clickbait for a sequel, really, to me. It is a little um, bit. It's like it tune in next time to see what the Airborne Kingdom gets up to. And I'm gonna I'm gonna get explicit with what happens at this point because I think it's really fascinating. Okay. You have been warned, people. Yeah, if you really care about the spoilers of the ultra chill it's, indie survival yeah. city builder, Airborne Kingdom. This is your moment to you bow know, on out. the internet. There's gonna be there's gonna be at least a hundred people that will complain. That is <laughs> completely true. So, at the end of the Airborne Kingdom, the the central mystery, right, is where the other previous Airborne Kingdom went. Mm-hmm. But after a certain point, you learn that there have been a lot of other Airborne Kingdoms, and they all successfully did what you've done, which is fly around the world. And it's a test set up by the previous first airborne kingdom to prove who is worthy to join them in space as far as i can tell <laughs> it's some real ian e banks uh alien races ascending bullshit <laughs> yeah 
And so, like, I'm mm. kind of down for Orbital Kingdom, the sequel, right? That's kind of an insane idea. Yes. But at the same time, these people are dicks. They're sitting in the sky just watching everyone below suffer in, like, a medieval situation when they clearly have the technology to fix it. But then they say, like, the the, the way it's set up is you choose not to go up right. to the sky and, like, actually maintain the airborne kingdom for the good of mankind. Uh, <laughs> And then what happens next will shock you. <laughs> That's true. Um, but what I wonder is like, so I, I, I find it more than a novelty. Like Airborne Kingdom has like a lot of cool things that it does. I think it's like kind of a different style of city builder. And it's more than like a, just a one hit kind of thing. But I do wonder where like a city builder like this can go. Um like, how do you evolve the uh, the flying physics model? Uh, where where do you go from from here? Because mm. I feel like it's already mined this premise quite well in the brief time that that uh, it exists for. Because it's quite a short game; you can finish it up in ten hours if you want. Yeah, i I think that they could strengthen or deepen the mechanics of the game the idea of balancing the idea of propulsion and uh lift right they could add a a much more interesting simulation of something like drag and sort of want you to build a properly quote aerodynamic city i think that some of those ideas would would serve to deepen a sequel but Mm -hmm. i don't know that i would want them to that's the thing is I think this game is quite good as it is. And I, I fear that trying to add more mechanics to it will just make it sort of frustrating rather than deeply interesting. Yeah, I totally get what you're coming from. I think for me, just the idea of building something that can move this kind of nomad storyline aspect. For me, if they were going to do a sequel, I would just want to see more areas, more world, personally. Like, you you decide to stay uh, with the rest of mankind on Earth. And I I just can't get tired of these, like, kind of beautiful miniatures. I just want more. I want more cities, more kingdoms. I want more of my own kingdom, like, the expansion of that. I just want more of the feeling of you just kind of exploring and living and yeah, just just that really. I think they could do loads with that, like other areas. Yeah. Like what else? We've had we've had mountains, sea, sand, swamp. Bigger oh. mountains. Oh no, swamps. <laughs> no, I'm sick oh, I of love swamps. A swamp. Oh, can he be arsed with swamps? How about a marsh? Do you feel about marshes? Oh, I do like a marsh. Oh, that's just a sneaky way of putting a swamp in there. <laughs> Good try, John. Good try. <laughs> I took a I'm shot. i you, John. I saw my shot. <laughs> what? Okay. Yeah, I d- Wait. I do think I more biomes bog. would be kind of cool. Volcano. Oh, I could do with a bog. Yeah, let's do That's <laughs> Scottish right there. That's there's Scotland. Steam, there's steam coming out of a bog. There's energy. It's kinetic. I like a bog. That is true. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Just like, as you said, more biomes. I want more. Yeah, and wild. I think... Snow. Where's this? That'll <gasps> fuck you up when you're in the sky. Yeah, Hail. weather. Weather would be interesting. Weather. Yeah, it would be so good. Some sense of adversity might make the game more interesting, and forcing you to make tough choices, like 
okay, do I want to use my limited ability to protect from, I don't know, hail or lightning to mm. save the water condensers or to protect the warehouses, right? Those sorts of things. That'd be really Or you cool. get like power from lightning storms at risk of setting everything on fire. That oh my gosh. <laughs> is an amazing idea, and I would be so 100% in favor of it. Because, <laughs> yeah, I think that I'm glad it didn't have any conflict. Uh, mm. I think that every city builder that has conflict almost all the time is shit for it. Like, it's not good. Yeah, or it adds uh, so little to the game. Yeah, then you might as well focus on enhancing other kind of elements instead, really. Um, so I'm happy for that to never appear. Um, however, like, yeah, some sort of adversity or tension, because that's what I was missing. It was just any kind of tension. Like, we could have gotten that from the, the diplomacy and the relationship with the, the other cities right. or even, like, the narrative, but there was just not a shred of tension, really, other than what we, like, inject into it yeah. for the purposes of jokes um there's mm. it's it's it was just too chill um and yeah some like adverse weather conditions would be really cool like maybe uh i, I don't know if it would be fun to make it like dynamic i think maybe actual rather like it would be better to have it fixed to a biome like this biome has a lot more lightning storms because mm. uh, it, it that feels like what the bombs are set up to do they are there to create specific challenges but i don't think they do that much at the moment like i like them aesthetically they're really cool and having that mm -hmm. one resource there where you know you don't have much of it that works but there could be so much more done with the biomes to make them stand out and like larger risks yeah absolutely and weather weather would be nice i, I like the idea of having to deal with wind direction or something like that 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 could be interesting in uh in a game like this depending on the design i like move the sails to yeah, take advantage right. of the change of wind, like mm -hmm. a little bit more hands on. You're like, oh, well, yeah, we wanted to go east, but the wind is blowing from the east, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are like there are a lot of ways that it could go. I and I do feel like this is like the start of something. I guess then rather than, like also we we talking about sequels, but really I feel like it, some of this could be DLC and updates and things like that. Yeah. I'm not Surely. really sure what. What the wandering is it the one yes yeah, the wandering band I'm not sure what their plans are for the future but there's more stuff that could be added to this version I think yeah I completely agree yeah. with you it it feels it's it's really reductive to say it's a proof of concept but it's a proof of concept in that it proves the concept is good mm -hmm. it's also a fully fledged game but. I was somewhat skeptical of this being fun or interesting because I think a lot of the fun and interest of a city builder is managing terrain and dealing with the situation that you're dealt and fitting things in. But in this, I was really pleased with how drag and lift and propulsion substituted for terrain and forced you to make decisions and route paths around buildings because, you know... A, a brick kiln is that big you can't make it smaller so find space for it mm -hmm. i, I quite yeah, I like coming panned back out. to it being like a, a puzzle game so it, it's so much more overt here and i wonder if that's because it's kind of condensed um so it kind of has these it focuses more on like these like moments basically where you're fiddling and rearranging things to try and like fit uh 
like a new building in to where you have a very limited space because you don't want to get it on the edge of somewhere where there's pollution and you want to get it where there's like a temple nearby. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, uh, you know, this it's possible this game would be really improved by looking at a game we skipped over from last year called As Far As The Eye, which was sort of a ultra condensed Ooh, yeah. 4X where you had to like, do the explore exploit stages of the 4X in super fast intervals over and over. That's my dog. Oh, that was that was wow. a loud yeah. abrasive noise. Was that a, was that a dog barking into the mic? Yeah, yeah, that's What what kind of dog do you have? Uh he weighs about, so he weighs about 12 pounds. Yeah. Sage come. It's Come here. Horrific. Come here, buddy. Come here. He's he's seen the neighbor's dog. Oh, and he's lost. Labradoodles his, never made that noise. He's lost That's his tiny sure. mind. <laughs> My goodness, oh. does he have anything to say about Airborne King? I feel like he should participate after causing yeah. such disruption. Yeah, he, he definitely would enjoy Airborne Kingdom. I think because he likes it when the sun is on him. So there you go. Wasn't there a show not that long ago where? Rob's dog Mina also interrupted and wouldn't stop barking every time Rob spoke. That is true. Yeah, every single time he opened his mouth, Mina would start oh. barking. We need an animal podcast. It's possible. Need a mascot. Yes, an animal mascot. That would be good. Rachel, while we're on this, like animal yeah. break, do you have any pets? No, I don't. And it pains me. My, uh, I rent and my landlord's like, nope. And then I'm like, Ugh. but what if I pay a bit of extra? And they're like, nope. And I'm like, but what if I, what if I did? Nope. I, uh, yeah. Say it's, it's like a, a coronavirus crisis. Like you need the company. I know. I've tried everything, honestly. <laughs> like sweet talking, raising the rent, everything. No, they are, they won't allow it. So I am, yeah, petless for now. Fucking landlords. I wish Terrible. I could have a dog that could interrupt my, you know, time on podcasts, but I don't. I know. Tell me about it. This is this taking a very sad turn, actually. So sorry to bring the mood down. <laughs> yeah, I thought it would be a really funny thing to do, just talk about pets, but you've proved me wrong. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> now, where were we before a dog started interrupting? <laughs> Uh, oh, you were talking, John was talking about um, As Far As The Eye. Yeah, so it's a really yeah, good comparison. Yeah, so yeah, in I as far think as I actually played it. The Eye, you're constantly being chased by a natural disaster as you try to get to safety. And so you're forced to move yes. on from area to area. And I think that it's Airborne Kingdom could do with a little of that. If there was a, if there was sort of a looming, not necessarily a, a real threat, but a, a deadline, right? An idea that you are going to mm -hmm. have to move on. I think that that would really empower the game to do slightly more tension building, to have slightly more time pressure, slightly more mm -hmm. something forcing your hand, more constraints. Maybe even just stopping resources from respawning, which they do, which makes it very easy. Yes. Because uh, you can just come back. I don't know if there are... There mo I'm trying to remember if there are like multiple difficulty options that maybe change that like a sort of a hardcore mode might work quite well where like once you've guzzled up all that water that's it done 
Yeah, there's a, a really similar, I think it's an MMO called Last Oasis, which is kind of mm-hmm. in the same vein as Airborne Kingdom. You build these much smaller structures, but nevertheless, like structures that are wind powered. And um, the idea with um, each of the servers that you play on is that the, the mods will kind of bring in uh, a heat wave, kind of forcing you and your group to move across different um, areas, like hexagonal uh, areas. So, like this idea that, you know, as a nomad, weather is definitely one of the things that would force you to move from one area to the next. And that could totally be applied to like uh, Airborne Kingdom, just having yeah, different weather systems forcing you to explore and move on instead of this idea of go over here and get me some iron. Like there's definitely other ways you can get m- majestic cities to move in different ways. Because you don't really feel like you're nomadic, do you? You're traveling mm-hmm. all the time, but I didn't feel like... There's a sort of pattern to nomads and a need to constantly move on. Um, Mm -hmm. And you do always need to be in motion in Airborne Kingdom, but you don't have that thing pushing you, uh, like, at all. Yeah, your Mm -hmm. your cattle aren't going to overgraze the local land or something. Yeah. There's a... So there's a game coming out in March that has a similar premise, but it's sort of a wacky carnival-inflected post-apocalyptic game called Dream Cities or dream mm-hmm. engines oh. uh, but it's also a flying city game so i'm really really interested oh. to see what the difference is going to end up being like what's what's the contrast because i think it feels like airborne kingdom is going to be a much more relaxed game whereas dream engines if i remember right is has sort of a factory building uh wave defense thing going on more, more like airborne kingdom crossed with i don't know uh they are billions or something like that okay interesting so i want to see what someone does with the same concept just with conflict added yes that yeah it would i because i'm glad that it doesn't exist in airborne kingdom but there's definitely room for it in other games Mm -hmm. different packaging like since we're just chucking a bunch of games out right now i played um the falconeer last year and in terms of the ways that um, it's kind of the same setup as Airborne Kingdom, except for um, a land has been flooded with um, an immense sea, leaving a lot of kingdoms disjointed from each other. But they all have beef with one another, and you, as an as an individual, um, it's basically a, <laughs> you might know it as being the the game where you ride giant birds who have guns like attached to them. But essentially, you get to play as like a middleman between talking within within all these different kingdoms and you can act as a spy from one kingdom and like play your part in another like that could easily be applied as well like i just love the aspect of that game that you could like form alliances and break alliances very uh again game of thronesy in that respect yeah a bit of intrigue deepening the diplomacy even without adding any direct conflict would really enrich the game because there's no mm. diplomacy right now, really. It doesn't count as diplomacy. No, just giving no. them resources effectively or finding yeah, things. Yeah, just like, quests. Yeah, I yeah. think just just like with any game, it could stand to be a bit more like Crusader Kings. <laughs> Nailed it. Of course, Fraser. Our work here is done. <laughs> Boom. That's what it was all about. <laughs> this is what it all led up to, wasn't it, Fraser? This whole podcast. It's been very elaborate. But yeah, <laughs> your end game is revealed. <laughs> but yeah, there there are definitely things that can be added to it. But 
one of the things that I just really like about Airborne Kingdom is that it's not bogged down in loads of... Uh, it does have lots of systems, but it's not bogged down with them. Yes. Uh, it's light, even when you've got a lot to do. And there's so many different ways to engage with it. Um, but you can play it in a weekend and you can That's get... That's the a, thing. It's, and it's a brilliant fun to play in a weekend and just never play again if you don't want to or spend weeks building your perfect kingdom. Uh, I think that's so right. Like, we're just talking about, oh, it could do this and it could deepen this. But honestly, just eight hours of very relaxing, flying around, building the sea. It was great. It's a great little game. I loved it. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think I said earlier in the episode, it's almost meditative. And that's, I I found it just very relaxing and fun to play. And there's not that many city builders that I get excited to start playing late at night. Like, if I've had a really tiring day and I don't have any free time and it's 1030 at night, there are very few city builders that I'm going to decide to open up and start playing right then. But Airborne Kingdom is a game that I did that with, and it was great. Yeah, it feels like a treat to just come back to it. Uh, and like, the, I would never feel good about playing like Frostpunk or even something less severe like Surviving Mars. Like, I love those games. I finished those games. I came back to them, but it was very stressful. And at, at the end, I was always like, oof. I'm glad I'm taking a wee break from this. I need to put my feet up Mm. and do something nice. Whereas with Airborne Kingdom, that is the nice thing that I want to do. That is the way I want to relax. And yeah, there aren't that many uh, good city builders that are like engaging, uh, that are also just really relaxing and and kind of low pressure. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. I I wonder as well if if this is us seeing like um like a new type of survival management game because survival management has become the thing right like how many survival management city builders are there out there like there's and we've even got one that is basically surviving Mars but you're surviving the apocalypse uh and like they all are trying to make it feel severe like it's struggle. Uh, and it's adversity but i think there are things that survival city builders and survival games in general do uh that are just fun and they aren't about stress like have you mm-hmm. played uh grounded oh no like, is it is it because of the spiders rachel yep yep 100 <laughs> percent. i can't i'm just gonna stay up in the air i will never go on the ground that's reasonable but, but Grind is kind of interesting because it has all of the ingredients of a regular survival game, including uh, bullshit like thirst and hunger meters and, and all that stuff. And like mm-hmm. you you can get killed and you have to go and find your corpse and your resources again. But there is a whimsical breeziness to it. The, um, like some of the, the punishments seem more severe than they actually are. Um, it's way more about cooperation and exploration and seeing the world from this like really unusual perspective. And it ends up being quite chill and relaxing, like a fun co-op game. Uh, I think we're getting to the point now where survival games and, sur- and survival management games have become so common that we're seeing all these new kind of offshoots of them where they serve like a different kind of audience who doesn't want to be stressed, but still wants to kind of survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a very astute observation. I, I for one, welcome more. Just broaden, blow up the genre, broaden it out, get us more and more stuff, because I have all the ultra-complex survival 
games that I will ever need, especially survival city builders. And so building more range into what the difficulty is and what the complexity is, is probably only going to make us realize the things that are important in the genre and the things that don't matter. Yeah, when I look back to the first city builders I got into, none of them were because of the challenge. Uh, they were always because innately it's so fun to just put these things together. It's kind of like a jigsaw uh, at its heart, just finding things that fit together and creating like order and a chaos or just where there was mm. nothing before. It's just really compelling and you don't need that to be extremely difficult or punishing. I totally agree. Like, Rachel, at the beginning, we talked about kind of your love of Frostpunk. So I just wonder if it came down to like playing something a bit more like Airborne Kingdom or Frostpunk, would you gravitate towards one or the other? Yeah, I was just trying to think of other examples of, uh, as you said, like with Grounded, I was just trying to think of anything else. I, like, I really can't. I think for me, with Frostpunk, thematically, I, I mean, I adore Frostpunk, even though, you know, it's made me question my moral and ethical choices time and time again <laughs> but um there is an aspect of frostbank like i can play what an hour or two of that game and get completely burned out very easily uh airborne kingdom i think two sittings and i was done like it's just the time just melts away like i think we mentioned earlier with frostbank i'm on the edge of my seat i'm so tense i'm looking at like five different things at once i'm you know and the challenge of that is is great but you know what, like starting, as you said, a game at midnight and just chilling through it, I definitely think there's, and the mechanics are very open to that kind of gameplay or that way of playing as well. Like it's, it's not so much um, survival, but just in terms of like living, I guess. I just think that, yeah, the, the genres can be opened up for more different perspectives, like you said. I think it's really interesting. So... Ultimately, do we think it's a, a good city builder? I would say for sure. Yeah, I think I think that it is a good city builder. I don't think it's... It's funny, I, I want to qualify it, right? I want to be like, I don't think it's a, a really awesome story, but I think the things that make it a good city builder are those integrations of those other bits, even if they're not perfect. Yeah, mm -hmm. dude, it, it tries to do actually quite a lot of things um and when you have a game like that sometimes they can detract from the kind of the core of it but uh but i think it's managed to do this and keep things light loose chill and still be like a great uh, engaging city builder that you can kind of you can come back to after you finished and build more like the just the pure building part is really fun uh and yeah. it's something that you don't need to to spend like hours and hours to enjoy, but you certainly can. And having that kind of flexibility is, is I think, the mark of a really good city builder as well. Like being able to serve the kind of that casual and hardcore uh, wannabe mayors. <laughs> yeah. At least so, you're, yeah. Um, yeah, the people in your city in Airborne Kingdom don't try to kill you for making pretty bad decisions. You know, they're chill. They just leave. Yeah, maybe that'll be the, the DLC, <laughs> the guillotine DLC. Where they finally <laughs> rise up against our tyranny. Where are my streetlights? <laughs> uh, don't you feel though that they would just like have a plank and they would just put you at the end of the plank and just boot you off the side of the of the sea? 
Well, that would be perfect. That would be the. I, I yeah. want them to have a guillotine yeah, now DLC want... now with various ways to execute terrible mares. Now, I, okay. So what I now want is I want yeah. the people who made this to make a remake of Frostpunk, and I want the people yes. who made Frostpunk to make a remake of this. So we get like <laughs> the old cozy Frostpunk where it's all about like, oh, there's just not enough room beside the big old hearth for everybody to hear story time. <laughs> and then you get grim Airborne Kingdom where you you walk the plank on our throne out into the salt sea with no parachute. It's perfect. Beautiful. Would, that's amazing. Yeah, they should totally do that. 11-bit studios. Come on now. <laughs> I've also, you know, I I watched, um, oh, what's it called mortal engines the one about the walking cities <gasps> oh i love mortal engines not the film well, the books <laughs> yeah i haven't i haven't read the the books but i watched the film and it was utter shite but the yeah. bit in the beginning where it's just this city this big city chasing a smaller city was one of the coolest things i'd ever oh, seen in my life yeah. like it was amazing it was worth that whole piece of crap film was worth it for that opening like 10 minutes um i would love to see something like that giant moving cities maybe competing with each other growing and expanding like just the idea of having a city that can explore because i think the yeah. exploration part was such a great element to airborne kingdom oh i'm sorry i just love those books man oh my god <laughs> but yeah that film it's it still hurts me it still hurts, like, as you said, like that opening sequence when they're chasing, when London's chasing that small uh, salt town. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then the, the, the small town like breaks off into like smaller towns and scuttles away. Yeah, when oh. you realise it was like a market town and oh, yeah. that was so, see, we're already making see, the game for you. <laughs> you know what this feels like? I've only seen, I think I must have seen the trailer for Mortal Engines years ago in a theatre which I can't mm-hmm. even remember what movie theaters are like, much less what happens in the trailer. <laughs> but oh, no. this sounds like Avatar fans talking about that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't. See, there's room to make something based on Mortal Engines that's good, is all I'm saying. Uh, it's just, yeah, the idea of like these huge cities just scuttling around, it's just so... Amazing. It's such a great concept. I love it. More wandering cities, please. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that covers everything. It gets uh, an enthusiastic recommendation from the three of us. Um, it's out now on the Epic Games Store, which might upset some people, but, you know, it's worth it. It's like 16 quid. It's next to nothing. Mm-hmm. All right, then. This episode has been produced by Liana Hafer. Uh, Three Moves Ahead is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. Uh, you can learn more about the show and discuss this very episode with our community at threemovesahead.net or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash 3MA. Finally, Three Moves Ahead is supported by listeners just like you on Patreon and you can learn more on patreon.com slash 3MA. Three Moves Ahead will return next week. Uh, Thank you to John and Rachel for joining me. I've been Fraser Brown. Good night.